Hi everybody, welcome to another Park Report podcast interview. Been pattern seeking animals have a new album on the way called Prehensile Tales. Comes out on May fifteenth. They just released their first single a few weeks ago called Here in My Autumn. And I'm pleased to have with me the main songwriter and keyboardist, John Bagholt. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Just fine. Just in the middle of wiping down my uh, desk here with some uh, Clorox <laughs> wipes. <laughs> I was just downstairs doing those beautiful things. So it's uh, doing my daily thing. But yeah, everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. it's been insane. Yeah. Oh, completely. And, and you know, one of the uh, well, one of the uh, the things that's sort of disappointing, uh, is, is, well, from your band's perspective, was the opportunity to finally play your first gig at uh, Rosfest, which was going to be next month. And uh, so that's going to be a really disappointing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what a bummer. Well, yeah, doubly, because obviously we had all started, yeah, we'd all started coming up with parts and, you know, working toward that. And besides that whole thing, I was looking forward to seeing Big Big Train because I'm such a fan. And, you know, we were on the same day with them. I was like, well, this is going to be great. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah no, me, it, me too. Yeah, so I just, haven't uh, seen them before either. Yeah, I, I like them so much. And obviously I know Nick and, and, uh, and any other gig they've done in the past has been overseas, you know, in, in uh, London or wherever. And I thought, I just can't, I can't do that. But, um, yeah, this is going to be great. But, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I do have to tell you that, uh, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of your work. And I've been a huge Spock Beard fan for a long time. And, and so I know all the stuff you've written for them. And um, and when the first Pattern Seeking Animals uh, album uh, came out, that was great to have, you know, sort of an extension of that, that music uh. that you do. Um, but this new album is just really, I, some, for some reason, it, it seems to be clicking with everybody even more. And I, I love this new album and I can't stop listening to it. And so I don't know why that is. It's not like it's oh, cool. dramatically different from everything else, but something about it has really... Uh, just sort of clicked i think i mean do you sort of hear that did you notice that when you were writing it that that maybe this is something special that you put together no not at all because you know it's funny when you're writing especially when you're writing something so quickly it's not like you know with other things we'd write something you get some feedback and come back and write again and maybe it'll eventually come out in a year or two or whatever this one was i kind of set i i, I painted myself into a corner a bit by by telling everyone oh yeah for the next album it's now we're going to release it within a year and i started thinking oh why, why am i saying this because i'm setting myself up for for this uh for this goal that who knows whether it can be reached but so when i'm writing it i wasn't getting really a lot of feedback from anyone even the other guys it was just like okay here it is and it was tough to be objective about it i mean i like some of the stuff i was i started i would second guess some of the stuff so when i started getting you know, you put it out there and you just hold your breath and you think, okay, here it goes. And, you know, the the comments have been really positive, which is great. But everybody knows who writes music is that, you know, sometimes the stuff you write, which you think is the greatest thing that's ever been blessed upon the planet, and everyone's just going, eh, no, I don't care. It's nothing, you know. Right. And other stuff you don't like, people are just flipping out over. So you never know. You never know when you come out with something. So, yeah, it's, it's been cool that everyone seems to be getting into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, when Going back to your involvement with, with actually Spock's Beard, because I don't even know if, if a lot of people know. And I and until a few years ago, I really wasn't aware because I first heard about you writing when you came on board 
of uh, sort of as a lead writer for Feel Euphoria in that transition period a little bit. But you had really been involved with the band from day yeah. from the first album. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I knew those guys for years before that. You know, I was in a band with Dave like ten years before that, and I knew Al because we shared a. He was in a band with Neil that we shared a drummer. So I knew those guys since the early '80s. So obviously, when when uh, out of out of nowhere, Neil came up with that uh, that first album, The Light. I just heard it and flipped out. I said, "Look, I'm." I'm not the kind of player who could even be involved in this or it's all your thing, but anything you want me to do to help, I'd be happy to, whether it's, you know, using my studio or I'll, cause I have some graphics background to help with, with some album covers and some pictures and stuff. So I was just so much into the music that I just way, hey, whatever you guys need me to do, I'm in, <laughs> you know, yeah. so no, that's yeah, great. just forever. Yeah. I've known those guys forever. Um, yeah. So going back to the, uh, the, the first pattern seeking animals, what was, the uh the thing that got that started for you with with the band i mean obviously you said you'd worked with david you knew the guys and you'd been writing with spocks for a while were you yeah. writing that stuff separately and just you know spocks was sort of on a break they had just released something and it just sort of evolved naturally or was or had you been planning to put out an album solo or, or what was the, the goal there no i didn't have any plans on it whatsoever because i had my own group in fact dave was involved with called orphan moon back in the mid 90s so we put out a couple cds and uh very different type of music uh, more of americana type of thing and uh we had some interest and we actually had two record deals that immediately fell through because the companies either went under or there's some weirdness happening it's a long story there but I, I just wasn't interested in doing it again because it's a lot of work and with Spocks, I had the outlet to write that kind of stuff, which I liked. And I was plus doing my own thing with film and TV or whatever. And every once in a while, I would talk to, you know, Thomas from Inside Out. And we just start kicking around. You know, he'd say, well, if you were wanted to put together like a solo project, you know, what would you do? Or what would you, not a solo, or a band situation or an album. And we'd talk back and forth. And it was almost like I was humoring him. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd do this and that. But never thinking, oh, this just seems like a lot of work. <laughs> and... And he said, well, if you ever want to talk about doing something like that, let me know. And we talk every couple of years, nothing had come with it. And for for the first album, I just had some material that had been sitting around, things which didn't make it into Spock's for various reasons. Uh, but I was always writing a lot. And um, and a couple other things I'd just written for nothing in particular. And I thought, well, I'm going to put together, I just want to go into the studio and record real drums and get some really good sounding demos for whatever reason. And then as that started happening with, you know, I got Jimmy in there because he's great. And uh, luckily for me, he lives close. So I would choose him anyway, but it made things really convenient to have him here. And we started putting some stuff down. And I started thinking, eh, maybe we should get Dave and Ted involved. And and eventually I thought, well, maybe this might be an interesting album. And when it's done, I'll, you know, contact Thomas to see if they're interested. And one day I put something up on Facebook just hey i'm working in the studio with jimmy and thomas contacted me yeah what are you doing you want to talk about it <laughs> so from there we started you know we started talking about it making it a project or as a one-off and i said no well, i'm kind of talking the other guys were kind of thinking about making like a real band and uh they were into it everyone is into it so it just kind of came together in a different way than mostly you know most of the time it's you get together with some guys and you start playing and jamming or whatever and you're writing together and then you think well maybe we'll put an album on this kind of came together a different way so halfway through that album when 
I realized that while it was going to be an album, I started producing things as if it was going to be an album, you know, not making things right. so totally different. While the songs were written to be an album, we kind of produced that way. So it just, yeah, that's how, that's how that whole thing came about. So, I mean, the first one came out just, you know, last year <laughs> and you already, yeah. were you, were you already in the process right away of writing the stuff for the second one? I didn't start writing for the second one until we turned in everything for the first one. Uh, so I, th I think I started writing it around February of last year, I'm thinking. Hmm. Um, February or March, I started in serious. You know, I I had a couple like little ideas jotted down. Like I think every writer, you know, I'd, I'd have my, my, my iPhone and if I, oh, this, I'd be playing the guitar. Oh, that's a cool riff. And we just record this for later. Oh, maybe I'll make something out of it or some lyric lines or you know, a minute worth of music here and there. And then at that point, I thought, okay, I'm going to start working on the second one. And uh, since I've painted myself into the corner by telling everyone it's going to be a year away. And yeah, I just started writing everything seriously. Uh, yeah, March or April, or rather yeah. February, March of last year. So, so you're a guy that... Pull out and doing it. You're a guy that writes a lot. And do you... Uh, is there a lot of stuff just sort of buried away when you're writing towards an album? Or do you try to mold everything you come up with ends up being a song? I mean, how much of, of, of a process is it for you before you get to the to a final track? Uh, this, yeah, like I said, for the, the last album, there was different things from different projects and different periods I pulled together. This one, it, everything was pretty much from scratch. I, like I said, I have a, a journal of I, lyric ideas I jot down if I hear something mm -hmm. or on my iPhone. So I would start for this song. I said, OK, what do I want to start with? And the first song I came up with was that song Lifeboat. And I thought, OK, uh, I was going to write a, a short little song here <laughs> just to get it go, get the ball rolling. And I got five minutes in and it was pretty much not done. But I then I started thinking, well, now that the guy, the ship has gone down and we don't know what's happening. Well, maybe I'll just go do another section where he you know, goes into the past and figures out why he's in this predicament. And I just kept writing and writing. And all of a sudden the song was, you know, pushing 18 minutes long. <laughs> it didn't tend to be that way. So once, once that was done, it gave me the foundation to write other material around it. Um, I think a lot of times when you have existing material, you, you feel obliged to use it because it's already written, even though maybe that doesn't fit together or maybe there's too many things yeah, that are too close together as far as you know tempos or vibe or mood or whatever and uh, with this one I would write a song and think okay now I want to do something which is more up tempo or more of a different feel or a different style or whatever and you can start tailoring it to what's already been written so along the way you start because you're thinking from day one of it being an album and you want it to be consistent and you don't want too much sameness from track to track but you want it to sound like it fits on the same album so that's it's uh, yeah, everything was just started started from scratch on it. Yeah, the song I think that you pr you've gotten a lot of response to that I love a lot also, and it's a little bit of a different track for you guys is "Why Don't We Run," which is right, very kind of poppy, but really unique. Has that sort of I don't know Mexican flair to it or something, uh, and it's uh, it's just a really great, really great hook. I love the the trumpet and all that stuff that's going on. Talk about that song. How'd that come together? Well, that song, again, was something I started. Uh, I had like a little, just a chord progression, had been sitting around for a while. I hadn't done anything with. 
And when I thought, well, maybe I'll try something with it for this album. And I immediately locked into that spaghetti Western vibe, you know, the uh, Ennio Morricone. Uh, That's what it is. Yeah. Italian cheesy. Yeah, that that type of vibe, which gives it that Mexican Spanish flair. But then I added a few other things. And, and along the way, I would go back and forth with it. I'm thinking, OK, this is probably too might be too poppy or outside, but. I, I, a lot of times I have to check myself because I like so many different type of music. I really, really love so many different genres of music. When you know, when you're working for other bands, you know, working for Spox, for example, you know certain things. There's no way in hell they're going to do because they, it's a different type of, you know, it's, it's a little too outside of the guidelines of what they would consider right for the band. With this band, I don't have any of those. So it'd be very easy for me to be sitting here writing something which sounds like a a current pop tune, you know, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, wait a second, because I like it, but it might not be right for the group or what we're trying to put across. So this one, I think was on the borderline of something a couple times I thought, no, it's just a little too different, but it's cool. So let's go with it. And I like the song and I heard trumpet from it from the beginning. I, I, I just, for some reason I was just hearing that trumpet. So he got the player in there and he did a great job with that solo and everything. So yeah, it's a, definitely a different vibe, but everyone seems to like it. And that was that was one of those songs where we put it out and I'm thinking, oh man, either people are going to really like this or a lot of the progress are going, what the hell is this crap? You, <laughs> you know, you know, I, you never know. So I was really glad, like a lot of people are really, uh, really keying into that one. You know, they're thinking they, they focus on that and that's the first one they notice or they, they, you know, most of the people I've talked to, that's been their favorite, if not one of the top couple ones in the album, which is really cool. Yeah. Because I could, I could see that one easily going the entirely different direction, <laughs> you know? You know what? It's, so. it's weird with this sort of this fine line with, with prog fans, like many are okay with a band doing something like that or branching out maybe for, a couple of minutes on an album or one song on an album more yeah, than they're passage. okay. Yeah, right. Or, right. or more than they're okay with, all right, we're going to do a whole album where we complete. Then it's like, no, 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 we're not, we didn't, we didn't okay this. You know, you know what I mean? There's right. One song we'll give yeah. you, but that's about it. Yeah. And I think the other, I think another thing is that you're right. Well, you go back to that, that first, you know, Spock's album, Neil came out with the light. All of a sudden, you know, that senior Velasco part, it's like a Mexican, uh, Spanish. It's just a great, great section. It's totally unlike something you'd heard in Prague before. Yeah. I think the I think the other people, uh, the other reason a lot of Prague fans get a little leery of that kind of thing. Times Prague bands will decide, okay, we're going to try and be, you know, a little more contemporary. We're going to do something in the pop vein. But they, they really don't listen to pop or current pop or really any kind of pop and they try and write something in that vein and just frankly it's just not that good yeah. you know a lot of times they they try and think oh they're going to do something with a groove and a vibe but you know they it's just not their thing and if they're not used to doing that kind of material you know it, it's I, I i like it like this when i was doing film and tv stuff i did this score once for this uh, hbo movie where they wanted a like a 40s jazz type of thing which I have no experience whatsoever. I can make something which sounds like 40s jazz to people who are not into jazz. They listen to it. Oh, there's a sax and a piano, so it's jazz. Right. But real real jazz players are going, 
what the hell? This is hor- This is horrible. And I fully admit that I could make it sound in the ballpark if you don't know what type of if you don't know that type of music. So I think a lot of times when prog guys think, oh, this sounds like pop because it's simple and it's three chords and it's three minutes long. Yeah, but it's not that's not what goes into pop music. It's not really the same just because it's short and not complex and maybe a love song. It doesn't really hit the mark if if you're. You know, for people who really like that kind of stuff yeah. and um, if you're not used to writing it. So I think that's what happens. But because I think I like pop so much and I'm so into it heavily, unabashedly and unironically, I just love the simple, cheesiest, hooky pop there is. Um, I can I, I, I can go in that direction and have at least some legitimacy to it. Whether right. you like it or not is a whole other issue. Right, right, <laughs> you right. Know, because, <laughs> yeah, trust me. Uh, yeah, I, I understand that. So. Well, I've seen stuff you've posted on Facebook before. I mean, yeah, you really run the gamut of, of genres and things that you like. So I'm, I, oh, yeah. I, I meant to ask you about that also. Like uh, uh, currently, like right now, what is it? What do you listen to when you have some free time? Is it? It, um, it doesn't sound like it would be close to the edge necessarily. Well, sometimes it is. I listen to music all the time. I watch very little TV, and when I'm doing stuff, and I just, I'm always listening to music. Uh, there are times when I'll just uh, for example, while being quarantined here, for some reason I've got on a big Moody Blues kick, and I put together a playlist of all the first seven Moody Blues albums. Anything after that, the, from the Patrick Morris part on, I'm just I like it, but it's not the same. And I've just been listening to a ton of old Moody Blues stuff. I've been listening a ton on the prog end to that new uh, Pendragon album. That's a great which album. Which I think yeah. it's fantastic. It just it blew me away. It's, it, it, to me, it's just the best thing that anyone's come out with in the prog world in, in a while. I, I love that album. Mm-hmm. I thought the IQ album was great last year. Yep. Um, and then sometimes you know, Close to the Edge, I listened to uh, Close to the Edge and Tales and Topographic Oceans the other day. But that being said, the other playlist I have is K-pop stuff. <laughs> I just I love a lot of it is very samey and I get why people think it's cheesy. But from a pop standpoint, the writers are phenomenal. The song structures and the melodies, I absolutely love the vocal treatments. I love all that stuff. Uh, Mostly the girl groups, just because I like the female vocal stuff. And also current pop, I listen to a lot of that stuff too. And the reason is, is I think something that got lost from prog music a long time ago. When I was younger, you'd listen to the next, you know, Yes or Genesis or Kansas album not only to hear the music, but to hear the cool new synth sounds and the production ideas and techniques and cutting edge guitar sounds and all that kind of stuff. And somewhere along the way, Prague lost that and it went more into the pop field. You know, uh, you know the dance stuff and EDM, whether you like the music or not, they're lo- using all the, you know, the new current synth sounds and product, cool production stuff. So part of the, the studio geek side of me loves the contemporary pop and you know k-pop and bollywood stuff and all that stuff because those are guys who have to keep up and all that cutting edge stuff to remain relevant because in two months whatever they put out is going to sound dated yeah which isn't the same with Prague. so the production and the producer side and studio geek side of me listens to that stuff and go wow what's that how what are they doing with that synth there how are they getting it to modulate like that why is it why is the filters change? You know, filter sound changing. All this again, all this synth geek stuff, which no one, most other people just don't care about. But I just, just you know, appeals to me. 
So well, I that, that part that. makes a yeah. little bit of sense, actually, from that from that point of view. I mean, I, I've heard Stephen Wilson even say something similar, where he said, you know, that the groundbreaking stuff isn't happening in rock anymore. It's in hip hop. It's yeah. in EDM. It's you know, it, it maybe you know, with production and things like that. He sort of has a similar view. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, there was there's a song. In fact, on uh, there's a production trick I used on the guitar in um, "Raining Heart in Heaven," for example which is something I, I cop from the, one of the, the latest uh, Selena Gomez pop songs. <laughs> I heard the way they did this filter thing with the guitar in it. I thought, oh, that's cool. I'm going to try that in this, this song I was working on. So, yeah, you just got, because in pop music, you have to keep current because it gets stale so quickly and so dated. I mean, you write, you come out with the Prague album right now, and if it's a decent, you know, Prague stuff that was recorded 30 years ago, still sounds current because musically it's cool and those instruments sound good it's not going to necessarily sound dated but you put out a pop song in the pop charts right now or a rock song it's very easy to get dated really quickly yeah no that, that makes sense that's true um yeah and the, the other song that i like a lot uh is uh soon but not today which is the the closer mm-hmm. um yeah the middle part the acoustic section the the sort of middle breakdown has this amazing sort of orchestral thing to it that part just floors me every time i mean um tell me a little bit about how that song came together that song was the last song i wrote for the album we were you know we had been recording and putting everything together and there was one other song i had that was going to be the closing song of the album and we kept working on it and it wasn't totally coming together and i was having trouble with the lyrics and I, a couple of times I went back to Ted and I said, you know, I'd like to hear a different guitar thing here. And the song is, I really like the song, but for some reason it just wasn't gelling correctly for me. And I thought, you know, and the other, the other issue was it was kind of a similar vibe to something else. I think part of Raining Heart and Heaven it had a little similar feel and tempo and everything. And I want to do something different. So I said, well, let me just see if I can write something specifically to be the closing song. <clears throat> yeah which is when I started Soon But Not Today. And there's a couple interesting things about that song. First of all, I wanted to write it uh, in a linear mode where it's not just like a big pop song with, you know, two choruses or, you know, one chorus and two verses and the big chorus again coming at the end, even though it's 10 minutes long or whatever. It's more linear, even though I go back to a couple recurring themes in there. It's not like uh, just a stretched out pop song. There's sections in it. And I wanted to throw in a bunch of different styles. Uh, and so I just started writing that one, uh, you know, section by section. And what happened along the way is I was in the studio at that point mixing some other songs with Rich. And I talked to Ted. I said, OK, Ted, I came up with the structure of this new one. I'm going to put it up on uh, Dropbox. Take a listen. But I'll, just hold on and I will uh, I'll add the vocal parts you know later in the week and some guitar ideas and then we can talk about it and for some reason i think ted didn't hear that last part or got <laughs> cut off or something so all of a sudden he he calls me up a couple days later and says okay i did all the guitar parts and i said well <laughs> just how how would you do that <laughs> there's no vocals or, and he said oh i didn't know you're gonna do it but it turned out really cool maybe we can make it an instrumental <laughs> you know and so i listened to it and he came up with this really really cool guitar parts along the way even in parts where they're supposed to be vocals so i went back to the drawing board and i took a couple of the parts he had written and made different sections out of the song so i kind of restructured it 
to feed for some of the parts, you know, and, but most of the parts he came up with worked fine once I restructured and put the vocals in. But again, that, that song, as you notice, it goes, it goes through some really different changes, you know, the reggae thing and the surf thing and that big ballad section in the middle. Yeah, there is uh, like a surf section in the beginning that, uh, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, a twangy kind of yeah. uh, surf vibe, that, that surf vibe. Um, and and for some reason, I started playing with that reggae section. I thought, oh, it might be interesting to do a little reggae song in here. And I, I, I kind of approached it not thinking that there's going to be any one vibe of that song. It's just very linear, which I, I like doing that kind of thing. You know, kind of stream of conscious thing. Yeah. The other thing is that um, uh, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm working on material like this one i hear it start sounding a little too much like oh this is something a little too genesis genesis or yes or kansas i gotta steer it away because um uh i just don't want it to get to, you know derivative or you know reminds somewhere and uh, remind people of that and for some reason on Suma not today it got into some little sections and i and it, i thought well hell let's just go with it because it's sounding really good and let's just kind of beatly in those sections and i think part of that because i was reading you know the jeff emmerich book here there and everywhere mm. from him you know the end being the engineer yeah. and all that early Beatles stuff and it's just a great book if you haven't read it for anyone who hasn't read it and i thought well let's just let's just go for it so i, I got kind of beatly in that those places but no yeah it's it, a fun song to do yeah it works it works really well uh yeah i'm curious of if you have any favorite songs uh from the stuff you wrote uh, for Spock during those those few albums, if there's any stuff that you you uh, remember as as some of your favorite moments, um, boy, you know that's <clears throat> that's a tough one because if you go album by album, I think because I wasn't writing like the like uh, Feel Euphoria, I think Ghost of Autumn was probably the one in that one I wrote with Dave. Uh, then the next one was Octane. You know, it, it's funny because I look at it whether it's my favorite. I think it's the the most well written. I think "She Is Everything" is probably the most well written song. Although I like a lot of the instrumental stuff on that. Um, I think from Spock's my favorite thing overall. You know, if you woke me up at you know two in the morning and shined a light on my face and said, "What's the best thing your favorite thing you wrote in Spock's?" Probably "Jaws of Heaven." Yeah, uh, that's from, a great one. Yeah, from from that one because it came together so well and uh, it, all the, I, I love all the parts in it and uh, it just uh, turned out really cool I think from later stuff uh, with uh, for, that's from the Nick era from with Ted um, boy that's again that's a tough one I, I think something very strange maybe um, although I also like on Oblivion Particle I like uh, Disappear I think turned out really well love and, that uh, one. and yeah um, and then Bennett build a time machine. I think those are probably my favorites, all in all. That's good stuff, man. You wrote some really great tunes uh, oh, on those albums, and and sort of helped keep that band going at a time uh, when nobody thought uh, they would they might continue. No one knew, and so I think uh, I think that was a big uh, help in, in them continuing. Yeah, I just kind of I think I just forced myself on them because <laughs> I, I I did the time I said, hey, if you if you are writing for this album if you want any you know to co-write or you want anything lyrics or music or whatever i'm i'm game and i said yeah what the hell everyone the more the merrier and that's yeah. where that happened from so 
Well, yeah. look, uh, I wish you big success with this album. I think the the reviews uh, will probably start to come soon, and I, and I expect them to be really positive. I love this album, and, uh, and oh, I think thanks. it's fantastic. Prehensile Tales, uh, May 15th. Uh, the first single is out uh, here yep. in my autumn, which is tremendous. Um, thanks. And uh, I guess there'll be some more singles along the way. Um, hopefully, yeah. I mean, is are you hoping that when – you know, things are sort of lifted and maybe, you you know, people are allowed to go see some shows and stuff like that to try and still do do something? Yeah, that's the plan. You know, the problem is even in the best of times, booking Prague acts can be a uh, can be a tricky proposition. Yeah. You know, there's so many variables, especially if you're in America and you got to tour overseas. It's, it's really tough to do and everything has to go right you know, festivals and there's so many acts vying for the same stage, even in best of times, it's tough financially to make it work. Uh, and even uh, if you're, if you're a European band, just dealing with the visa situation from country to country can be tricky. Um, so that's in the best of times. So we're just kind of holding our breath and just thinking, okay, uh, we'll wait till everything starts to, uh, you know, clear out and then we'll see who's left standing as far as clubs and festivals and what's going to take to get them back together. And what survived and what didn't or what new you know the other thing is what new opportunities come along who knows but yeah that's that's definitely part of the band it's not just meant to be a studio uh album or a studio band it's meant to you know go out live just uh we had started doing that obviously rehearsing for Rosfest, which never went anywhere yeah. uh because that that was postponed like everything else but no that's part of it and that as soon as we get to the point where you can look into the future and see something to latch on to. We're, it's, it's definitely in the cards for us to at least give it a shot. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah. cool, man. I wish you all the luck and, uh, you know, hope to see you sometime soon, hopefully at a show or Sometimes. something. And <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right, man. Sounds good. Great chatting with you, man. Absolutely. Talk soon. Talk back. Bye. Bye. Thanks to John for the interview. Don't forget to pick up Prehensile Tales from Powdered Seeking Animals out on May 15th. We're going to close with the lead single off the album. This is Here in My Autumn. For upcoming news and interviews, please check theprogreport.com. Follow us on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter and Instagram. You can download the podcast on all our podcast networks. Thanks.
Still she's awake in my every dream But I'm a ghost in her eyes I'll catch the ghost